Cleveland loses, but luckily, right now the Twins are losing as well. We will follow that game as the show is going on. We're going to talk about some things that Baltimore definitely has done better than Cleveland this year. We're going to get into the game, and we're going to talk about the unbelievable debut for Gunnar Henderson on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I'm going to tell you, today's show is brought to you by, it's brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. For those who don't know me, I've been those to Lockdown Guardians since its inception, one of the OG podcasters on the MLB side of things. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24 7. And now I am all of Locked On. Uh, let's get out of the way at the start. I had some confusion. I know you're shocked. You know, if I'm going to brag when I get it right, the general rule is I, I, the Chiron here is messing with me. I got to also own up when I get it wrong. And something I had wrong recently is reading comprehension. Uh, can I blame this on, on being tired, uh, disability, dyslexia, the echo chamber that is me saying something and people agreeing with me and somehow thinking that how I misread something is right. Long story short, Quan wouldn't be in year three. He'd still be in year two next year. It would only apply to someone like Michael Harris for the and for those who are like, what are you talking about? So in the rookie of the year, I somehow had read it as they would get, because it says, you know, and would be granted a full year. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, so they're granted a full year on top of what they had this year. There's no additional word <laughs> it was missing. So it means like if Michael Harris wins for Atlanta, now he just signed an extension, so it doesn't matter. But he would, instead of being three quarters of a year, he'd be a full year rookie. He would, you know, he'd essentially be a super two risk, which I mean, Stephen Kwan is. That's why, honestly, they might want to consider of any player on this roster because I don't think you're getting an extension done with Bieber. I honestly don't think you're getting one done with McKenzie. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, I asked about Ahmed Rosario early in the week. And I had someone be like, let's just give him $9 million a year for the next three years, and then we buy him out that arbitration year and make the two years after that option years. He's not taking that. He is probably going to get $9 million in arbitration, so he has no incentive. He might get $10 million in arbitration. Uh, he is honestly probably looking at somewhere around 15 to $18 million a year. At his age, at his position, that's the going rate for a shortstop. I would be shocked if he got under $12 million. Like, even in a, a weak market, I'd be surprised if it's under 12. He's, he's hitting at the right time. He's going to be, what, 28? Like, late 20s, you know, hits the ball well, has good metrics, former top prospect. All those things count. Same reason when the Guardians acquired him, I said, you know, that he has as much... And there was talk about trying to immediately flip him. I'm like, no, because his value is not going to get lower. Yeah, he had a terrible 2020. The, his COVID season was awful the point that most of us thought that he was maybe like the fourth part of that trade. I don't know if I really thought he was the fourth part of that trade because I was never very high on Josh Wolf. And I, I mean, I called him reliever at the time. And Isaiah Green wasn't my dude. Uh, you know, he's been on, impressive in his on-base stuff, but I'm never going to be super high on that young player who's very far away. But the the whole thing on Ahmed was he has an elite, elite physical tools. He's a former top prospect. If he continues to stink, the value isn't going to get any lower. But if he improves, the value might get higher. And honestly, the, in terms of Ahmed staying here, if 
he had started the year hot, I don't know if he's still here. Like, if he had a full season where he is, but that's been kind of his story, is he hasn't done that. He has not managed to put together, and very few players do, but just the start of the year was, you know, like I said, it's like him and Miles Straw did a Freaky Friday. Having said that, should we talk about roster stuff? We'll talk about game and segment two. Uh, but in terms of the roster, we know Cody Morris is already um, with the team. He's already traveling with the team. Uh, I got it wrong. It, again, so uh, second thing I got wrong. Again, like I said, I'm going to blow it up. Like, I'm going to give myself credit later when I talk about Gunnar Henderson. I got these two things very wrong, so I'm going to own up to it. Uh, talking to Justin Lada, Cody Morris, because I originally thought that like you have to be on the Major League roster to qualify for the postseason, you have to be on the 40-man roster. So Cody Morris will qualify for the postseason roster if they choose to add him. No guarantee they will, but he's already up there with the team. I still would bet on Lavastida to be the other guy they call up. I haven't really dove into the Twitter weeds to see who is playing, who isn't playing, but they love, Tito loves a third catcher. So if you're going to add two players, another, another pitcher, another catcher, and that's where my money is. Uh, I would love to see, you know, uh, everyone's like, Will Brennan. I'm like, again, I like Will Brennan. He's a really good player. Him and Richie Palacios are less than a year apart in age. Brennan's had almost twice as many plate appearances. Palacios put up better numbers in the minors. Palacios is struggling in the majors. You know who put up the best numbers in AAA this year? Will Benson. I I don't think it is a smart move to assume Will Brennan is all of a sudden going to turn into a three-star center fielder. I guess I'm slipping into the OOTP here by three-star being, you know, I, I never want a starter on my OOTP team who is below three stars unless it's like a, a very weird profile where it's like the they're like a very high on base skill, lots of speed, average defense, no power at all. Like that That's maybe where I have the two and a half star, but I might be looking to platoon them. Uh, <laughs> so nerdy. Sorry. Between like Dark Cloud 2 and some of the others, I'm just going to start leaning into my nerddom. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, start playing my Star Wars game on my phone that I play like way too much. Uh, there's, there's some behind the scenes. <laughs> People have responded well, so I'm going to do more behind the curtain. Uh, but, yeah, when you get into it, I just, I I don't think you can assume anyone, again, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Bobby Witt's coming around. I mean, Bobby Witt has arguably been as good this year as Ahmed Rosario. That's not what the expectation was, but that's, I mean, that's certainly better than Torkelson and Green. But look at Nick Senzel. I would never naturally assume that someone like Will, and, you know, if you're saying, well, let's just call him up and see what he can do. You have so many outfielders. Let's see what Will Benson can do first. Let's actually see what Will Benson can do. Other than playing like twice a week. Let's give him a real opportunity. Because you need to start making choices. Right? You need to start figuring out Palacios and Benson and Jones and Gonzalez. Because, I, I, again, I'm not sitting back and saying Oscar Gonzalez is part of the five-year plan with this team. I'm saying Steve Kwan is. But I'm not willing to go that level for any other player. Uh of the young ones we've seen. It's like Ahmed, number one, off-season extension target. Number two is Quan. Number three, Tristan McKenzie. Honestly, number four, 
maybe a Stefan, maybe 99. Uh, people get, the other funny thing is people get mad at me about 99. There is some good data out there that shows that stuff is happening. Everyone wants to talk about the rosin and the sweat. And yeah, maybe that helps. I get leery with video game numbers. That's it. And I have a lot of other people being like, you see A, B, and D, or, you know, you see A, B, and C. There's a lot of people out there. I, I am not of the sole belief. And people are like, they get checked every inning. Yeah, their hands get checked. <laughs> if you, go watch some of the great, I'm sure you can find them on, on YouTube. But I remember like as a kid, I you know, I had basic cable. And I remember like there was a baseball show occasionally. And I can't even think of the name of it. But I remember like they had a whole segment with like Gaylord Perry and how you hide things. You can probably find that on YouTube now. Like that, there's smart guys figure it out. And and again, the the difference between pre and post is just so eye opening that it just. It, I think anyone who has a bit of a questioning mind has to be like, huh, that's that's dramatic. So that's that point. Um, but to get back to it, I think before we rush Brandon up, and it's not necessarily a rush up. It's more that like, let's actually see what we have. Let's figure out the logjam because we need to figure out the logjam because it's it's a disaster it is an absolute disaster you know can one of these guys play first and i understand it's also the problem of like we have no right-handed bats in system and nolan jones i don't know if he's ever gonna hit lefties that's always been maybe his number one bugaboo uh you look at the you know the rest of those options you look at at someone like Brennan, who I believe, top of my head, is another lefty. I don't think they have any right-handed bats amongst their top prospects. Valera is another lefty who you're adding. He's already on the 40-man. Uh, it's just this series of corner outfielders, and you got to figure out who's the one. And I am Will Brennan's going to likely get added to the 40-man in the offseason, but they need to figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about the game itself on today's Locked On Guardians. Bet online. Uh, I appreciate. I, I should go look on the Twitter. The one who's been telling me all of his like good bets because I, I did say to let me know if you actually listen to any of my things. Or I'm like, oh, this is a good bet. Uh, and there's a few people have thrown their information towards me. Um, it, it, the fact that Bet Online had the Guardians at 76 wins, man, 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 man. We should have all been on that one. Listen to this show, make yourself some money, go over and check out Bet Online today. Bet Online has you covered. I always like to look at, you know, I brought up on the show some of the fun stuff they do. I use them as a resource when I was scouting the draft to see how things are shifting. They have you covered for everything. If you can imagine it, they have it over at Bet Online. Uh, MMA, boxing, golf, political stuff. I've seen in the past you could bet on election results. Go to Bet Online today. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. So, and there's the so, so you know we're back. Is anyone else, like, really thrown off by these start times? So I just, I, I, I get the alert on my phone, and it's like, game's over. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> the 6-10 start, for me, is a 5-10 start. Uh, I had orientation for my daughter's kindergarten today. And I, when that's all done, I pick her up, get home, have dinner, start the bedtime routine. And before bedtime is done, this game is over. Four nothing, Guardians lose, and I'm like, son of a. It is interesting. I need to pull up some quotes. It does sound like, you know, in terms of me ranting about, let's see what we have. They're doing that. They are doing that. That they are going to sit back and see. 
what they have with Will Benson. Some of the comments seem to think we're going to see more of Benson down the stretch uh, in center field. And again, like I am the biggest Miles Straw defender around, but he, I, I don't know what you do with him. I don't have a good answer. And I know I'm supposed to be the expert. And I know many of you are like, yeah, you're no expert. It's fine. Hey, you know, I hope we can be nicer about it though, dude. Or do that. Uh, he's such a good defender. And for his career, he's been like a high 80s to mid 80s, which is like, you know, about 15% below league average. And you take that with the defense because center field across baseball is difficult to find. It is difficult to find. So I, I keep hoping, but it's it's just like Fran Mill Reyes. It's like, how does this guy who's a history of hitting all of a sudden can't and the Cleveland can't do anything to help him? Maybe, you know, having a little bit of arrest will help him like focus and not tense up but uh quincy wheeler at quincy wheeler one had these quotes from tito that um that i had missed and quincy had uh, claims that he missed them at well it's hard for me because i value what miles does in center so much i talked to him a little bit today and he understands he gets it we'll try to do the best we can and then on benson i don't know if i need to make lineups out for tomorrow let's just see how tonight goes so it certainly does seem that we are going to see Lasso Straw, which a lot of people I know are rejoicing. I did see a few people be like, why? And it'd be interesting to see a platoon. Well, would it, right? Because Straw, Straw is a reverse platoon guy. Uh, so, you know, he, he's a, a righty, but he hits righties better than lefties. So we're going to enter one of those great platoons where both guys can't hit lefties and both excel best against righties. The Cleveland Special, as I am going to call it. Um, I have no problem with Straw being a late-inning replacement. He's a top-five defensive center fielder. Uh, I hate pinch-hitting him, um, just bringing him in for no reason. Uh, I feel like giving someone like him one at bat is just doing him no service. And like he can't. What, what's really going to happen in that situation? Is he going to find any uh, level at the same time? Hey. You know, Benson has limited opportunities, but we also have to point out Benson has been less effective than Straw. Now, Straw, again, it's not really a comparison. Benson needs to have one good game and the number's going to go up. But in fairness, right now, uh, Benson has struggled massively. And does Will Benson stay with this team in the offseason? What I mean by that is, is it like Justin Garza a year ago? Do you guys remember the Justin Garza situation where he pitched out of the bullpen because they didn't have a lot of great options? They rewarded someone who, Justin Garza, by the way, they drafted out of high school and out of college, even though he, I believe he was hurt when they drafted him and knew he wasn't going to pitch. They liked him quite a bit, and they rewarded him last year. Now, this year, he hasn't sniffed in the majors. He's not again for the Cleveland organization. He passed through waivers. Um, I don't know if Benson passes through waivers, but it, with why did they do that? They had so many pitchers. They had to figure something out. Did everyone see that uh, J.C. Mejia, I believe, got released recently in spite of like being suspended for for the roids i think when everything was done he was let go uh just bad for him and uh, the brewers do a lot of things really well they could have helped him and whew, feel bad for the kid uh but you know he had so many outfielders are, are you gonna hold on to all of them heading into next year there's gonna be some things to figure out i mean i'm very curious he said cody morris he's in cleveland he's still not out of the 40 man someone's going tomorrow who is who's going for cody morris I don't think we know yet. I don't think we've seen who's the player that's getting taken off the 40-man. I think we assume it's Anthony Castro, who hasn't sniffed the big leagues in a while. 
he makes the most sense. But we'll have to wait and see. But to get back into this game today, let me just check our time. It, you know, it, it was Baltimore's game. Jordan Lyles dominates the Guardians. We talked about Ciano Perez. Has been a solid. Has been a good reliever for them. Felix, uh, Felix no Batista has been uh, excellent. Yeah, Felix Batista has been awesome for them. Ciano Perez, the, you can look at the FIP and see it's had a degree of luck, but uh, they they just dominated Cleveland. It, the the offense couldn't put anything together, and like on McKenzie had an okay start. The reason I say it's okay is the seven strikeouts is great, but five innings and you're already through 97 pitches that's a lot of pitches and it wasn't quite there like he allowed seven base runners in five innings that's a pretty high amount he's actually lucky there was only two runs with that home run it could have been a much higher rate uh overall and if you you know like who reached base twice cleveland had rosario and jose and then uh palacios actually did because he had a hit and a walk but there was a lot of offers in this game today and cleveland just could not put it together and jordan lyle's 425 ERA. We talked about the fact that the staff in Baltimore has not been good. So, of course, Jordan Lyles just shuts Cleveland down, and you have to win these games. You just have to. You are, what, a one-game lead right now in the wild card. If the Twins win today, it's a half-a-game lead. You could end up losing the series against Baltimore after losing the series against the Mariners and no longer being in first place. In a week, you could cough up a four-game lead. A week. Uh, Cleveland's just they got to do a better job. I don't think there's any way around it. It is, you know, they build up all the momentum in the world. Everything was going well, and then it's like, oh, we're gonna. And I think the worst part, like, okay, so you go back to that Seattle series. They could have won the first two games, and with the guys they had in the mound, they probably should have. Offense wasn't there. You come back and you look at, you know, uh, the. Baltimore win the first game the second game and this game is like that Sunday game where it's like they really never had a chance like these games are are not that they're not blowouts but they're also not performing offensively and as a team and they're getting so little that while it's not a blowout and while McKenzie didn't pitch poorly um, just like Zach Plesak didn't pitch poorly it feels like it's a blowout even though it's like a three or four win game because the offense does so little that you just if if that three to four runs feels like 20 and that's where we kind of are with this team right now. And, and there's just a lot of dead spots in the lineup and that that's a, you know, it, it's, it's an issue. I mean, you look at someone like Oscar Gonzalez, his last multi-hit game was August 20th for the month. He's been solid, but that's, you know, he's been kind of just solid a little bit around average, which again, for an outfielder, you'll take. Rosario, we've seen the the you know the production slip, but he's still been solid. Quan has stayed slightly above solid. Jose, good. Not quite willing to go to great. Josh Naylor, we've seen some massive slipping in terms of his production, and we'll get into some of this in segment three. Just kind of looking at the offense in August, they were able to build up that lead, so the numbers aren't that bad. But there are some concerning trends kind of over the last two weeks. Are our guys tired? Our guys not used to this grind? after some up and down years we're going to get into it we're also going to do our box score bingo in the three players of the game after a quick break on today's locked on guardians hey make sure and do me a favor and check out the ultimate pro football preview if football is your thing locked on always has you covered 
whatever your sport, they got you covered. Um, that is definitely something I believe strongly in. And I mean, that's like when I started, it was very much the Wild West. You can go through and be like, hey, I helped bring in Jason Burke and Nash Walker and a few other hosts. Like I brought in like three or four hosts back in the day. And they actually like Nash them brought in a ton. So it makes me look even better. That's going to be my biggest accomplishment here on network. Um, but that wouldn't happen anymore. They, they go and get big names. Had someone asked me like, Hey, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I apologize. Like, can I be a co-host? It'd be great on this. And I'm like, I don't have any control anymore. Like there was a time where I might've been able to be like, Hey, I brought in a co-host. This thing is such a big thing anymore. I get told <laughs> my co-host will be, um, and again, I hope to have more information. I will say, like, there was a relatively big Cleveland name that was lined up to be my co-host, but they, they just had obligations in life, and uh, I have no... Uh, and this isn't me, like, subtweeting former co-hosts. I mean, listen, Pat's a fantastic writer. Caleb is a, you know, uh, runs the, the, the sports... Um, you know, he's, like, head of the, the interaction at a college for a sport. That's a busy job. Uh, and then the... I'm not going to blow anyone out of the water... I'd say it was a pretty big name in the, the Cleveland sports and podcasting community that nearly came on as a co-host, and, and they're just they're busy. That happened. So I, I have another, uh, let's put it this way. The person they were talking about to be my next co-host, if it comes through, is someone who has 10 times the Twitter followers I have. That is, you know, that that's the level they're going for now. I, I wouldn't get a job uh, if... Uh, if this thing was starting fresh. So I hope no one takes offense. I've had a few people inquire and when I've talked about Coast, and that's that's just the truth of it now. This is now big business. Let's do our box score bingo. Cleveland had five hits, three walks. That should be two and a half to three runs. Nada. One extra base hit. That goes to Jose Ramirez in this one. Again, the offense, just not putting it together. The other side of things, uh, you had three walks, eight hits, and an error, 12 runs. That should be four runs. Hey, that's what Baltimore got. Gunnar Henderson. So this is where I can pat myself on the back, right? <laughs> Gunnar Henderson, what a debut. Now, if you go back to my draft class, I think I might have been the only person who gave him a first-round grade. I was very high on him. I actually multiple times... Listen, if the Guardians had gone with my mocks and some of my redrafts, Alec, Alec Thomas and Gunnar Henderson would be uh, Cleveland Guardians right now. Now, um, Tristan McKenzie would not, but like I, I pulled out my thing. So here is my uh, my write up back in the day when I was still at Scout. On the this is a fantastic pick. I had Henderson twenty third on my big board and talked about how there was some Corey Seager to his game. The fact the Orioles were able to come back and add Henderson after getting Rushman makes this an already a candidate for my favorite single draft this year. Henderson's power potential and youth really stood out as I dug into the young man from Alabama. I don't give grades, but A's all around for the Orioles right now. 23rd on my board. Um, yeah, I, I was... And then from June 3rd, my Guardians mock draft pick. Gunnar Henderson was my pick in the mock. Kyron Paris and Brooks Lee also stood out for this pick as potential players. Ah, uh, man. That you can go look. twenty June 3rd, 2019. So listen, I, I pointed out when I bombed earlier, so I thought those were some kind of funny things to share on Henderson's debut. Okay, so I'm going to apologize. A little bit of a lost train of thought here. I did not want to record while the stuff in the basement was making loud noises. So we're going to take this moment, and now I believe I was talking about Gunnar Henderson. Gave myself my pat on the back. Let's move to the other thing that I, well, 
first let's give our three stars in this game and then i'm going to move into what the offenses look like in august listen i've said it before you give up two earned runs through five or six you're going to be one of the three stars not again mckenzie's sharpest performance on the year but still solid uh, i think you have to give one to jose two hits and the only extra base hit in this one and then you have to give the other one to Ahmed, who had two hits as well. Uh, part of me is tempted to give it to Palacios for the hit and the walk, having reached base twice. Uh, if you had done anything to just make him stand out, if he had the outfield assist or anything of the like, I might have gone with him in this situation. Uh, again, I didn't get to watch this one, being very honest about that. Part of me wonders when I look over here at the two double plays, I'm like, were, were those both Ahmed Rosario? <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about August production. In terms of production in August, Andres Jimenez has 161 runs created plus. He's been worth 1.3 war. He's been the team's best hitter in August. Uh, he, he hasn't let up. He has not let up. At some point, I thought these uh, extraordinarily high bat pips are going to love, and they will level out at some point, but my goodness, lock the man up. Lock the man up. He needs to be part of this team's core. This is just, he, it, it's very and I talked about before the season began but I also said he's not going to be Jose but he he had kind of a build-up that was eerily reminiscent reminiscent of Jose coming through the minors number two hitter in in August Stephen Kwan a 143 runs created plus he had 309 400 on base 436 slugging uh worth 0.9 war both of them oh it's Kwan's defense is averaged by fan graphs uh Jimenez a plus defender number three I know I was you know, I'm still not sure what to make of Oscar. And that's just the truth of it. And that's going to be continuing to the truth. Negative defensive value, 3.1% walk. Uh, the second highest strikeout rate on the team, K percentage of 22.7. 362 bat pip. He had a 298 batting average. Again, just like at some point, Andres is likely to see like a 60 to 80 point drop. So was Oscar. So that's a concern because that's, that's going to take out a big chunk of his value because... While there was some flare-ups with power, it's still not showing quite as much as I expected for him because that was his calling card throughout his time in the minors. Fourth best hitter in August, Jose Ramirez, 113 runs created plus. 7.3% uh, walk rate, not as good as it was earlier. The K percentage, only 11.8. Highest ISO during this time, had the most home runs in the month. Had a 253 bat pip, so unlucky. Part of that is because he became the pop-up king. And... Let's see, across his base running has a negative value, which you almost never see. He's always typically been one of the best base runners in baseball. Good defensive scores, been worth 0.6 war, same as Oscar. Next, Ahmed Rosario is at 93, and we've talked about the ups and downs of Ahmed. Right now, it's kind of, that's still in the average range. But when he's been like over 110, when he's been over 10% better in league average, and now he's getting close to that 10% below league average, that's a dip because he also has the negative defense. Uh, but still, 93, more than acceptable. Austin Hedges at a 77, I will take. He's got a 12% walk rate, a 14% K rate. I mean, that's that's certainly an acceptable number, and the highest, second highest defensive value on the team. Highest defensive value belongs to Miles Straw. Next up, Owen Miller at a 61. That's right, a 61. Month of August, Josh Naylor. 205 batting, 269 on base, 289 slugging, for 55 runs created plus. Uh, worst defensive value on the team. The worst base running value on the team. And the second worst hitter, Miles Straw, at a negative 45, which I've just never seen. Um, 
Whew. And but the fun thing is, like again, it's the base running is very high. The defense is very high. If he could just get back to old Miles Straw, be like an eighty-five. Think about that. Instead of a negative forty-five and eight, like how much better the offense would be. One of the big things, like Josh Naylor, has been this team's like cleanup hitter. He has been the the guy there. The Guardians honestly have to consider shifting this lineup. Jimenez should be hitting fourth. He's been your best hitter most of this year. Jose has been great. At the start of the year, he was amazing. Since, if we went back, you know, from May to now, best turn on this team is Andres Jimenez. He should be hitting fourth, not sixth. You want to get him as many plate appearances as possible, and you want to get him up there when guys like Rosario, Jose, and Quan are getting on base. Having him down that far in the order is just, it makes no sense to me. That's my one rant. Moving on. Oscar should say five. And right now, Naylor should be your six. He is struggling. And it is showing in performance. And it's part of the thing that's really shifted. Because, you know, listen. The bottom of this lineup has been a mess. The catcher has been a mess. Now, it's, it's better. Listen, Miles Straw has been, like I said, historically awful. The DH position has been all over the place. Mostly, it has been a black hole. Sucking all the light out of this team. <laughs> Problem is, with top, we had those, you know, there was the six guys at the top. Now it's been five. Because Naylor is really kind of, now, again, he came back from that injury very quickly. Quicker than most people expected. Could he be worn out? Could it be the rigors of playing in the field? Could it be a number of things? Listen, we know the league, to a degree, like Jose, again, he's still 113 runs created plus. That is very good. Is it star level? No. Because the entire league knows throw Jose nothing but change-ups. Because it's the one pitch that he can't hit. For whatever, like, guys who don't have change-ups throw a change-up when they face Jose Ramirez. I got to look at the data, really dig in and see what the league, but the league has figured out Josh Naylor in a big, bad way. And it's it's been a big struggle for him over, you know, the last, you know, month. If, if we go back to July, like, say he's a 55 now, if we just add in his July data and we talk about Naylor's at a 109 it's just this month of August has completely leveled him by the way number one during that period still Andre Jimenez uh number two Luke Maley since July with a 144 runs created plus maybe we should let him play more positive defensive value uh but then it's Quan Gonzalez Jose Naylor is ahead of Rosario because he was good in July. August has just been brutal for him. Let me know what you think. Hit me up at Jeff MLB Draft. Uh, we're going to continue to try to figure out what's going with this team because, I mean, they were on such a great run against good teams, bad teams, but they've had these little hiccups. The two series against Detroit, the Seattle series that really could have gone either way. We'll see how the Baltimore series, we'll talk about the rubber match tomorrow, but, you know, it, the. They're so close, and they're then finding ways to lose. And there's just enough holding them back. They could have a monstrous lead in this division instead of a game and a half. Minnesota, valiant comeback to 6-5. But thank goodness, thank you, Boston. We're going to end it there. Thank you all for listening. Remember, rate and review, download daily. It helps. Subscribe on the YouTube. We're at almost 600 subscribers. Very close, very close as we move up. I think I'm under 20 away. Uh, And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.